0: Hello, and welcome to An Unknown Adventure podcast number 26. I'm your host, Kimberly Ann. Over the past nine months, this podcast has gone through its own authentic evolution. I started talking about moving from my 750 square foot mansion to a 60 square foot van, focusing on encouraging others to achieve your dreams. Then I began interviewing people on several topics and ended up talking to so many amazing entrepreneurs, of which today's guest, Monica Jane, is one. But her focus is uniquely different it's sexy, it's juicy. It even verges on taboo, which in my opinion is so much fun to talk about. First, for a quick update, my van is humming along at Wood Electric, my van builders, and I'm posting photos on Instagram. This month of May is the last month that I'll be working at my 15-year day job slash career where I'm an alternative healthcare practitioner. And while I do love so many aspects of my job, especially my amazing patients, I don't think I'm going to miss it. Throughout my life, I've been the kind of person who's spent like 15 years or less working in each of the four careers that I've had thus far before moving on. I'm not sure why, but I accept that that's just who I am. The idea of putting down roots has always scared me and that's a different topic to explore in another episode, but needless to say, I am super excited and terrified about my new adventure. So, three more weeks at my day job, and then I'll be focusing on moving out of my apartment. But that doesn't mean that I'm not working. I started writing a new novel that I'm loving under my first pen name, which is interesting since I haven't published anything under that name in three years. But it's my most successful, and I still sell books every day. So, and of course, I'll continue producing this podcast, which due to my perfectionism does take a fair amount of time. Now, since this interview ran long enough to make it two episodes, let's move on to Monica Jane and her unabashed badassery. So
1: my name is Monica Jane, all four syllables, please. And I am a trailblazer of unabashed badassery. And what that means is I do not subscribe to, or I try my Mm darndest to not subscribe to things that aren't me, meaning societal norms that don't work for me, like you know, pursue the American dream. I'm genderqueer. So what that means is I don't conform to act like a lady. Women do this. Women do that. Women don't do this. Women don't do that. And just march to the beat of my own drum. So that's a trailblazer of unabashed badassery. And I am currently in Reno, Nevada, and it's hard for me to say that because I had been a nomad for so long, but I'm pretty much settled in Reno, Nevada for the time being. So that feels, especially on this podcast, (laughs) it feels uh, a little non-badassery to be stationary in a home, but that's where I'm at. And I call myself the modern day Mr. Rogers for adults, teaching life skills and ways of living that we weren't taught about relationships, communication, and most importantly, making decisions for ourselves from ourselves, not for ourselves from the shoulds and the should nots and the indoctrinations of society, culture, religion, and family. So basically, I'm a conscious rebel here to talk to you today about achieving my dreams and my unconventional travel. And I could go on and on and list 14 million certifications and all of that, but I'll just leave that to them to go to my website or or look at the bio on your show notes. Let's get to the juicy stuff. So yes, I want to talk about the
0: juicy stuff. So what about the juicy stuff? I'm just (laughs) going to ask you an open-ended juicy
1: stuff question oh my goodness there's a lot of it i I saw that you like to concentrate on three themes here and I want to respect the listeners and stay in those lanes mm-hmm. because quite frankly I'm like what we call a shapeshifter and one of the certifications I have which is the erotic blueprints and the erotic blueprints teach you how your body's wired for pleasure and turn on and arousal mm-hmm. and so as a shapeshifter like, All the things are exciting to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I want to stay in the lane of achieving your dreams and unconventional travel. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay out of the minimalism lane because I'm not technically a minimalist, but Mm -hmm. I do have some really awesome ways to declutter and get like pared down, but I'm not steeped in the minimalism theory and philosophy. So it would be a disservice to the theory for me to try to traipse around in that, (laughs) in that arena. Okay. So, straight to juicy stuff: sexuality and arousal and turn on are for some people. They're Mm -hmm. like, "Ah, we're." an adventure podcast about travel. Why are we talking about this? I'm so embarrassed right now. And it's so sweet because that's our erotic innocence, like protecting us from what we've been told by society, culture, religion, and family is dangerous, is not right. Like don't listen to it, stay away. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, my journey is that when I realized how cut off I was from my turn on and arousal and started to pursue that, it, it was the key that unlocked the door to me being able to hear what actually mattered to me, what was a yes to me, Mm -hmm. and to stop saying yes to societal norms, cultural indoctrinations, religious uh, restrictions, and familial expectations.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And we could get into that pivotal moment that changed everything for me, where I decided to embrace my turn on my sexuality. Does that sound like a good path? Yeah, yeah, I want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Erotica is a great way for people to like, quote unquote, safely explore their eroticism. And so basically I grew up Catholic in a Mormon LDS area and so it was with all white people in a cow pasture in Wyoming so there wasn't culture there wasn't sexuality there wasn't freedom to be who you are they're very prescriptive ways of living and if you weren't and didn't weren't that didn't do that then you would definitely not really survive you would be cast out and what's silly is uh, as the Catholic girl, like one of 10% Catholics in this very saturated Mormon area. When I got to high school, I was new to all the boys, fresh meat. Mm, right? And they hadn't seen me before because I wasn't going to church and seminary and young women's and young men's or any of those events. Mm. And so I was a hot little chick and the senior quarterback stud muffin of the school, the senior (laughs) as a freshman, I'm a freshman asked me to homecoming in between one of the breakups with the captain of the drill team. So we're totally writing a movie right now, but this movie is my actual life. (laughs) And so I got asked to homecoming and that turned all of the Mormon girls, the captain of the cheerleading queen, cheerleading team the drill team and the rest of the girls in the school against me. Yep. Of course I got death threats and restraining orders. It was that bad. That's crazy because I was Catholic and the Catholic girl is going to have sex with and give your boyfriend blowjobs. So you have to be really scared of the Catholic girl. Oh. So these are the kind of messages that I received, uh, the conditioning that I was indoctrinated into. And mm-hmm. so I have a structure where we talk about society. There are four influences that I see that are the umbrellas under which we all operate and are influenced by the shoulds and where they come from. Mm-hmm. They come from society, culture, religion, and family. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the first letters of those, S C R F. It's an acronym that I pronounce scarf. So we put these indoctrinations and beliefs on us throughout our lives. Like boys, don't cry, be a good girl, get good grades, go to college, don't drive fast, um, be nice to people. Some are good and they serve humanity and others end up strangling that scarf becomes a noose strangling our self-expression out of us and keeping us bound and in bondage to what we should and shouldn't be instead of who we actually are. Mm -hmm. And so my theory is the world would be a lot safer if we all recognized what parts of the scarf are serving us and are comfy, cozy, and yummy, and warm, and which parts of the scarf are strangling us and keeping us from unfulfillment and happiness. And when I do this work with people, there's a seven-step process we go through. 99.9% of the prescriptions that they realize they're carrying in their scarves are strangling them.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: so the world would be a lot safer if we all knew and were aware of these instead of just robot zombies running around. And so that's my mission is to create unabashed badasses, Mm -hmm. meaning conscious rebels who are aware of scarf and they are consciously working not to be like a chaotic, unconscious rebel, but a conscious rebel and consciously adult and take these things and look at them and go is this life giving or life taking for me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Forget everybody else and what's right for them or wrong for them, for me as a unique human. And so just really quickly, a society is all media, uh, school and all the people around you when you're out and about mm-hmm. that society influencing you. Culture can be a culture that you were born into, like due to your race or your ancestry or from where your people hail, mm-hmm. it could also be a subculture, like a knitting group subculture <laughs> right? or a surfer group or skateboarder mm-hmm. subculture. Right. So that's culture. And so our cultures can definitely indoctrinate us. Like we don't do that. We do this. We don't believe this way. We believe that way. And then religion, whether you grew up in one or not, If you grew up in the United States of America, you're indoctrinated into all kinds of Protestant ways of being. And we get confused because there's like these super sexy billboards or magazine covers with scantily clad humans and scantily clad, like probably has a negative connotation. And that's probably scarf strangling us right now. Like scantily clad. I never want to be called that. We see these people in revealing skin bearing clothing. And we're like, oh my gosh, they're so beautiful. And we glorify them. But if I see you or you see me on the sidewalk with that much makeup on or that hair or those clothing, we're conditioned to go, oh my gosh, what's wrong with that human? Like what a slap, what a whore, like all of these assumptions and meaning making that happen. So mm-hmm. that happens a lot of condemnation of sex and sexuality and eroticism comes from religion. It also comes from society and culture. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
1: the last one is family and family can include blood relatives. And not all of us had those, but we all in some way, shape or form had people influencing our upbringing, Mm -hmm. whether you were close to them, not close to them, loved them, hated them, whatever this is family. And they taught you who and how to be either directly through words or just like by their way of beingness. Mm, So this is like the structure and I'm spending time setting it up because I didn't know about this when my turning point moment came in my life. So I'm curious, do you have any follow-up questions or can you get in the brains of your listeners and be like, what would they want to know about this or clarifications that we would need before we go on to the turning point moment where I decided to be unabashedly me? I guess the the thing that always
0: comes up, the question I always go-to is like other people's reactions, but I assume that you're going to talk about that eventually. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can you be you when there are all these societal and family? And my thing is always family stops me just dead in the tracks. I'm Jewish, but I wasn't raised religious. So I feel at least free in that area. And I don't really give a about about what society thinks. Mm -hmm. but I come to this wall when it, when it gets to family. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Thank you for saying that. Uh, The, the number one fear of human beings as probably a lot of people have heard already is rejection. That's Mm -hmm. why we're so afraid of public speaking and rejection of the people that we're the closest to. If you are the closest to your family is really scary Mm-hmm. And it is a number one reason why people don't be who they are, is they're afraid of having to deal with those reactions. Mm-hmm. And I, I have the seven-step process laid out in a program called Authentic Evolution. And there's a step in Authentic Evolution, which is choice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I really go in depth there about those fears and deep questioning and introspection about what's costing you more to appease and uphold the familial expectations and just keep living or to not appease them and deal with the backlash or whatever may come from doing that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And only each individual can choose Mm-hmm. Some people would be putting their lives in actual danger right? if they chose to come out about a sexual orientation that they have yeah. with their family or bring home someone of another race. Yep. There is actual danger that does need to be evaluated and discerned. But right. for the most part, Kimberly, what we find is when we really take these steps of authentic evolution and dig down, the cost is much greater to not be ourselves and we're not actually in danger of forever losing family members. And maybe we are, and that we weigh that a life worth living for us in this lifetime is repressing ourselves and keeping that bond. Or we decide a life worth living for us in this lifetime is being ourselves and dealing with that they may or may not want to be in connection with us anymore. Yeah. And so that's why I call it conscious adulting. It's like the real deal. Um, I call it reconciliation. All of this is a reconciliation. It's like, what are the consequences of the choices I've made thus far in keeping the scarf on and keeping myself strangled? And what are the consequences of stepping out, taking this off, becoming conscious? Mm -hmm. And so There's a lot of care and concern that goes into that. And that's why I'm saying it's not unconscious rebellion, like ah, F all this stuff. I'm just going to go be and do what I want. Screw everybody. I don't care about anyone. And then you like burn all of these bridges and destroy your life. It's authentic evolution and evolution can take time. Yeah. And a lot of care. Yeah. So thank you for speaking to that because it is one of the first things that comes up. It's yeah, easy for you to say, I'd lose my family if I did this. But when we really look at it, people don't end up losing their families or their relation, like the disastrous things that we make up in our minds. Don't they're not as common as our mind is active in making them up.
0: And I think because there's also like the maybe a family member has an ultimatum, like you have to behave this way, or you have to do this for for me to love you and respect you and keep you in my life. And then we get to choose. No, I'm not going to do that anymore. And let them go. I had to let my dad go Mm has a situation. And it was honestly, I love my dad. I love him still so much. Haven't spoken in four years, love him to death over four years. And we will never speak again during this lifetime. And I am so happy that I made that I was able to just finally say, you know what? No.
1: And it didn't kill me. It didn't kill you. I love that you said that. And (laughs) bravo for you taking care of yourself and putting yourself first. It's another reason why the world's unsafe. Like you're unsafe. I'm unsafe. Every single time we don't take into account our needs. First, and and then, like those cultural norms or societal norms or religious norms pop up. What do you mean? That's selfish. That's um, hedonistic. That's mm-hmm. there's all these labels gluttonous. That there's all these labels for. But I just want everybody to really absorb in what you just said, Kimberly. You said you're in your fifties, uh-huh. and you made a choice four years ago. You reconciled as a conscious, authentic adult, and said no. More and if this is the consequence, it's more worth living to not have a relationship with my dad and have this choice in my life
0: mm-hmm.
1: than it is to have my dad and not be me, not continue to be an unsafe, disgruntled, unfulfilled human and inauthentic. I was yes. completely
0: when I was around him, I was not me, I was mm. bending and pretzeling to be who he wanted me to be. Mm. And honestly, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life. Like, Mm,
1: yeah, I want your listeners to hear the resolve in not only your voice and the words you're using, but your energy. Like, I just really want them to feel you because people like you give them hope. Mm. There are listeners who like might want to move into a van or do what I did, which we still haven't talked about. (laughs) (laughs) Give away everything they own and take off across the world or not pursue corporate America anymore, or marry someone of the same sex or whatever, whatever, who are shaking in their boots with your first question. Like, how do we do this when we could lose these relationships? And you just do, you either do or you don't, but I'm going to say you need to, which is shooting on people. I feel you need to do that consciously. Yeah. Cause a lot of people are unconsciously pissed and disheveled and upset with their fathers about certain things. And they're not reconciling. They're not having that moment of reconciliation. Not everyone's relationships have to end. Like they, they have that in their minds that that's the outcome that has to happen, but they're in their head one-sided and haven't had the conversation with the other person. Right. And so other people who are listening Kimberly's father and her—that's what worked best for them, mm-hmm. and it, it could be different for you. Where you still have a relationship, it just looks different. Or your dad goes, "Yeah, I knew that about you this whole time," and you like hug and act as if it never happened. Right? <laughs> I mean, right. It, there's so so right. many ways that things can turn out.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Now I want to hear about your turning point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for the purposes of what we're talking about today, there's two. The first one happened in 2011. I had been caregiving and being the like patient advocate for my mother who was going through her cancer journey for 13 months. Wow. And they said, you have 60 to 90 days to live. Actually, there's a bunch more details to this where she was such a fighter. She wanted to do another round of chemo, but she had been in and out of the emergency room for three months because she couldn't keep any food or water down. And she was going to say yes to the chemo. And I, I had to have a reconciliation with her and say, mom, I don't know who you're making this decision for. If you're making it for you, cool. If any part of it is you, Making it for us because you think you have to, because you're conditioned and indoctrinated into thinking that you have to fight for your family Mm. when you can't even digest food, like you don't, your body can't support or sustain life. I want to ask that we go get ultrasounds of your digestive system and see what's going on there Mm. and whether or not you can sustain life. And from there, you can make like a better decision. And P.S., like why the hell was it me, a 28-year-old at the time, deciding wow. that and not the allopathic medicine Right. being like, here, you could do chemo and like you can't hold anything down, but let's just throw this chemo at you. Yep. Why didn't any of them say, we should probably check out your digestive system. I see you've been in and out of the emergency room five times in the last three Months like your heart almost stopped because you had no electrolytes because you haven't been able to eat anything.
0: Oh,
1: it's so weird. So, that's yeah. like a side tangent vent that yeah. does deserve a big ah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think they're trained
0: for that, unfortunately. It's so weird. The pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. So.
1: so, we did the ultrasound, and lo and behold, her pancreas was completely gone, like she didn't have one. What, yeah. It had deteriorated and been eaten away. So she said no to the chemo, like point taken. So they said she had 60 to 90 days to live, but in three days, everything was shutting down. It was like, she was in fight mode and they said 60 to 90 days. And she was very Christian and she started praying to Jesus and saying she was ready to go home and all of this. And within three days, her systems went into shutdown mode and she was gone and ate wow. Yeah. Saved
0: her from a lot of pain. I bet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And those last freaking eight days were so disgustingly like painful and awful and just like unbearable. And and so on the third or fourth day when we realized like, oh my gosh, she's not going to be able to talk like In the next minute or hour, we started asking her all these questions. How did you know dad was the one? What does it take to be a good mother? And these beautiful questions that I wish that everyone got to ask before someone passes. And in these COVID times, like I'm, I just want to send my heart out to anyone who's lost someone and couldn't even be in the hospital with them or near them in those last days of their lives. (sighs) And so I, I had. 14 years of fooling around and sex under my belt. (laughs) And I didn't know that I was, I didn't know if I was having orgasms or not because sex was not as this like earth shattering thing that everybody else said. That was a, that was like a major subject change without a like segue. Shake it off, everybody. Shake it off. (laughs) Shake it off. We're talking about sex again. So I realized that my mom was going to die and I am the only daughter. There's no other girls in my family to, to ask. And again, I do identify gender queer now, then at that time I didn't, I'm going to use girl and woman and female and all of those words. And so I, I didn't, I didn't know. And my mom was going to die. And I realized I didn't, I was 28 and I was like, I don't want to live another 50, 60, 70 years wondering what would have happened if I didn't ask her, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to mess with her dignity and her last like breaths of her life. So I said all of that to her. And she said, what is it? And I said, I I trust that you'll choose to answer if you want to. And you can tell me you don't want to talk about it if you don't. That right there is a tool that we can apply back to what you just asked, like, 10 minutes ago when you said, but what if people are going to like disown us or relationships are going to get ruined if we take an action in our life? Mm -hmm. If I ask my mother, my like prude Catholic mom, who then had gone through being a seventh day Adventist and a Calvary chapel person and all of these things in the last 10 years of her Christianity, like I could have chosen not to, but I was taking care of myself Mm -hmm. by asking the question and trusting her to take care of herself Mm -hmm. and say, no, I'm not going to talk about this with you or say, engage in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So that right there is a life skill tool, (laughs) trust other people to stand up for themselves. And we're not all conditioned to do that. And not everyone will, they will answer your question when they don't want to, but that is not your job. That's not your responsibility. That's not your fault. It's up to them to take care of themselves. So set all of those things, and my mom said, was what, what is it? And I said, have you ever had an orgasm? And she took a big breath and looked around the room and looked back at me. And at 58 years old, she just turned 58, like two weeks okay. before this said, I don't know. Wow. Exactly. I was like, wow, on the inside, but I was 28 and desperate. And I said, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> and we had our first and only ever conversation about sex right there on her deathbed. And the end of the conversation, she said, if I had it to do over again, I would be more open and adventurous sexually. Oh. Wow. So that was a turning point moment for me where instead of hiding and pretending like I don't have a turn on or arousal and stopping myself from embracing my sexuality, that was her permission, be more open and adventurous sexually. Now we didn't talk about this back in that cow pasture in the trailer I grew up in my mom. At night, the ABC nighttime movie or whatever, from 8 to 10 p.m., she would cover my eyes on the romance scenes. And if they got too noisy, she would put one ear on the thigh and the other hand on my other ear and cover my ears and my eyes. So what that did somatically for my body, and that's one of the areas of study that people will see in my bio, somatically it programmed my body that when turn on was starting to rev up, when something sexy was happening and my body was responding to turn it off immediately. Don't respond, don't have it, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, ignore. Okay, it's gone. (sighs) Okay, we can come back.
0: Wow.
1: And so no wonder I wasn't having an orgasm. I'd be like mid sex and rev up, rev up, and then just turn like my body. Just Nope. I don't feel this. Nope. I don't feel this. I don't feel this. It's not happening. Nope. Nope. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm going to get really philosophical. Mm, Yeah, please. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned through this journey that by being cut off, It's an adventure, an unknown adventure for sure. I realized that being cut off from my turn on meant that I was cut off from my yes and my no, my authentic yes and no. So now I call turn on and arousal your compass that lights the pathway toward that which is life-giving, expansive, and a yes for you. Mm -hmm. And your turn off shows you, what is a no constricting tension, building stress, contracting Mm -hmm. for your body.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I didn't have the compass, right? Yeah. My compass was stolen from me, Mm -hmm. from my familial and my mother's religious and the society and culture that I was in. Right. It's bullshit. Yeah. And so many of us have been robbed of this. Yeah. So I'm very passionate that if we all were more in touch and I want to say our, with our turn on and arousal, I want to say turn on and arousal from scarf has been put only in the category of porn, erotica, sex, right. eroticism. But when we've got a bunch of travelers or minimalists or adventure seekers listening, and I want to tell you, When you are in an airplane and you look down on the ground at that place that you always wanted to go and you're finally going to land there, that exhilarating feeling, and I've got goosebumps all over my arms right now, that is turn on. Mm
0: -hmm. That is
1: arousal. Mm -hmm. When you have been studying minimalism and you finally get your capsule wardrobe like perfect (laughs) and you look at it or feel really good every morning when you're dressing yourself, That is turn on. Mm -hmm. That is arousal. Right. When you see a beautiful sunset, a a Mm -hmm. bouquet, eat a yummy bite of food, hear an awesome song, have a breeze drift by your skin, and you're like, ooh, Mm -hmm. that is turn on. That is arousal. Right. Yeah. And so I've I I joke because I grew up Catholic, that I've resurrected my turn on and arousal, and I've exercised the scarf demons that like strangle me and keep me from. Hearing my voice, my inner voice, myself. Mm-hmm. And so the philosophical thing is that if we were all connected to our turn on, to our arousal and desexualized and de eroticized it, mm-hmm. then we would be w- way more inclined to listen to it. If Scarf weren't telling us, oh, no, that's bad, that's wrong, that's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Like you're shopping in the mall for what you want to wear online or whatever in in these COVID times, and you're looking at the computer screen scrolling, and your body perks up about something. Mm -hmm. Ride that wave. That is what shows you uniquely how you are wired to be pleased, to be in pleasure, to be happy. I want to hear your reflections on this, <laughs> on this theory of unabashed yeah. badassery and reclaiming our turn on and arousal. No, I, I like that. And
0: I like that. It's not, and I agree that it's not always sexual. Like I, drool and freak out over old cars. And I've had so many negative, nasty little comments. Oh, you're getting all turned on over that. Whatever Volvo. Well, I used that used to be my favorite cars. the really old Volvo Volvos, but it doesn't even matter. It's like those sexy old cars. And I'm like, yeah, because it's hot and it's sexy. And I'll come back at somebody because I'll be mad. I'll be like, well, it's sexier
1: than you are just to kind (laughs) of like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, I. This is what I'm saying. Our eroticism. I haven't said it out loud yet. Our eroticism has been weaponized against us as yeah. individuals, and we've been conditioned to weaponize it against others. And the way you said that, oh, you're getting all turned on. People do that to children. They might not use the word turn on, but they're like, ooh, you like her. You've got butterflies in your tummy. Uh, And then it makes us embarrassed because we as adults are ashamed. Exactly. Shame, shame, shame. That's why I use the word unabashed. It means unashamed,
0: Ah. but I didn't want to
1: put the word shame in what I do because positive affirmation say the thing you want, not the thing you don't want or whatever. I don't want shame and repression anywhere in it. And so the shame within each of us has us disconnected to our yes and no. Yeah. So if you want to be achieving your dreams or doing unconventional anything, travel or anything, you must really understand how much shame and repression and therefore oppression you have Inside of your system Mm -hmm. to toward your inner compass, your inner yes, your authentic yes, your authentic no. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, good effing luck making the life you want and being happy. Stop like symptoms of this here, listen in, people. (laughs) (laughs) If you are like passive aggressive, if you resent people when they're in joy. And that they have what they want. You can't feel compersion, which is ha- which is happiness for another person's happiness. You feel compersion, most people feel compersion when they like see a baby being just like so happy. That's compersion. So if you're passive aggressive, if you get upset about other people having what they want, if you see a really vivacious human, never mind you the sex, but we can say man, woman, gender, queer, non-binary, and you get uncomfortable around them, like Kimberly's friends get uncomfortable around her excitement about the cars. Mm-hmm. These are all your cues and clues that you have been robbed in your childhood and throughout your adulthood. But guess what? You're probably an adult. I'm imagining 18 and over. Lots of them listen to this podcast mm-hmm. and you will we'll go back to that step of authentic evolution choice. Mm-hmm. You get to choose. Yeah. You are the adult You might have to bleep this out in the editing, but I call it a, you're a full-fledged fucking adult now and you can own it or you can deny it and do all of those symptomatic shitty behaviors and continue being a victim to your life. Right. Or you can reclaim it. Right. I don't bleep anything
0: out. Fuck it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yay! On a bash badassery all the way, all around. That's so exciting. It's just, it's so sad that through colonization- our power, our greatest power has been taken away from us, which is our eroticism Mm -hmm. because it's our authentic yes and no. And if we were all connected to that, we would not stand for the shitty healthcare systems. We would not stand for people being houseless. Mm -hmm. We would not stand for rape. Sexuality has been colonized out of us Mm -hmm. and it's our greatest power. And so I'm here put on this earth to show people their compass, like mine was shown to me Mm -hmm. two years after my mother gave me that permission. And what was that? The permission? No, the two years after. Ooh. So it's really interesting. Another step in authentic evolution has to do with permission. So she gave me permission Mm -hmm. in 2011. Right. And it wasn't until two years later in 2013, when I came across a women's group that was all about women owning their eroticism, Mm -hmm. their radiance, and their sexuality and sensuality.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I found a subculture of influence that told me, here, come be more open and adventurous sexually as your mom told you. Mm -hmm. And because I was around other people who were doing it, I then gave myself permission to. Right. Right. And I find with sexuality and eroticism, arousal turn on and learning yours and embracing it, a lot of people's social nervous systems need to be around others who are doing it as well. It's really hard to do on your own. Yeah. With other things like I'm going to learn how to ride a bicycle or go on a trip to some other land i've never left my country before those kind of things come more easily because sexuality was one of the first if not the first thing that was attacked by colonization by colonizers attacked stripped out ripped away and condemned mm-hmm. we've got 600 years on these americas continents mm-hmm. of epigenetic and ancestral stripping away colonization of damnation, shame, and repression of sex and sexuality. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be like my, my framework is called an evolution, an authentic evolution. Mm -hmm. And it might be a year long journey for you. It might be a decade long journey for you. It might be a month, but putting yourself around others who are giving themselves permission can help you give yourself permission, but until you can give yourself full permission, you'll get it in bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. So if there's any self- development junkies listening. I've worked with probably thousands of people by now across six continents in over 45 countries on these topics. And I find that the reason why you're all inspired and you get somewhere, but then it goes away in your self-development journey is because you're using that book or that program or that workshop or the people around you for permission. Mm -hmm. But you know what? The only one who's around 100% of the time with you is you. Mm -hmm. And if you're not giving yourself permission and soothing your inner children and, and keeping yourself feeling safe, you can't sustain the self-development that you aspire to when you read those books, attend those workshops, do those things. Right. Yeah. So that's why I call myself a permissionary. Ultimately you are the only one that can give you the permission that you need to be you. (laughs) Totally. Totally.
0: Mm. So what, so this group,
1: is it, Like, are you still involved with them or was it a, it was an episode in my life. It was a chapter Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: I've been involved in multiple erotic communities by now with different influences. And the one that I find the most holistic, like W H O L E Mm -hmm. whole. Mm-hmm. is the certification that I pursued and achieved, which is erotic blueprint coaching. Mm-hmm. And the erotic blueprints is a framework developed by someone who had their hands on and inside of bodies mm-hmm. to decode how their body was turned on or aroused for over 20 years. And then they started seeing these five different flavors. And so we we're all wired uniquely. First of all, scarf tells us there are only men and there are only women. But we're coming to a place where we're realizing, holy cow, all of these other genders and expressions and identities have been around this entire time, but were colonized out of us. If you go back to Mesoamerica and and study their gender, there, there are some tribes that had over 115 words for 115 genders, or it's something like amongst all of the tribes, there are 115 Different genders. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's a podcast for another day. I I am trained in queer competency and I'm very passionate about it. So if you feel like you have an identity or an expression that is outside of what SCARF tells you, society, culture, religion, family tells you is appropriate or okay, I'm a human that can hold space for that for you. And I hold great reverence. And like I said, I'm genderqueer, so I, I don't identify male or female. And I forgot what we were going to say. What were we talking
0: about? Oh, uh, the blueprint.
1: Oh, okay. Yes. So first of all, Scarf says there's only men and women. So if there's only men and women, oh, and then Scarf says like the best way to be sexual is heterosexual. So then that's a penis and a vagina and that's penetration. And that's what sex is. Period. End of story. Good night, children. There's your birds and bees talk. (laughs) Bye. If you, if you even get that. (laughs) Right. Right. Furthermore. Society, culture, religion, family, whatever influence told you that women like sensuality and men like sexuality, meaning women like roses and silk and candles and romance and dates and And dinner out and cuddling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And men just want to get naked bodies and stick their penises in things. Yep. And 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 that's how men are satisfied. That is what turns on and arouses a man. And that's what turns on and arouses a woman. Period. End of story. Right. Sex ed, done. Right. <laughs> right. My right, right. scarf. My yes. scarf. Yes. So the erratic blueprints, there are five different flavors of eroticism. One talks about romance and cuddling and candles. And one talks about naked bodies, penetration, ejaculation, and orgasm. There are three others beyond that. So if you divide it evenly, what is that? There's, if there's hundred percent, 40, 60%, only 40% of sexual expression is emphasized and encouraged and stated as correct by scarf. One other category is kinky, which could include BDSM, which because 50 shades of gray happened, that's a little bit in there. So we'll say 10%. Of what kink can be and actually is.
0: Except that that's a bad re- representation. I'm just going to say that. Thank you. For... Incorrect, extremely
1: incorrect representation. So thank you for, <laughs> thank you for sharing your <laughs> um, take on that. And just to solidify that my guest, Kimberly, is you're saying, there's not consent conversations. It's very masochistic, not masochistic, machismo and masochistic for that matter. Mm -hmm. What are the reasons that you say that it's incorrect?
0: I read 25% of it, of the book, and then I was so angry. I couldn't finish. I couldn't keep reading it because in my opinion, the male lead was extremely abusive. It was not a caring, loving, kinky relationship. It was abuse. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you for saying that. And so Scarf popularized this. And this is sex education and people don't realize it. Yeah. And so they're being educated on what BDSM looks like, but only given it the lens of abusive, non-consensual, non-conscious, unconscious dom-sub relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm glad you said that. And it's a wonderful tangent another podcast for another day. Exactly. (laughs) So back to the five erotic blueprints, kink is one of them and kink is so fetish sized and Mm -hmm. shown in an abusive way Mm -hmm. more often than not when it comes to the societal representation of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the erotic blueprints, kinky is anything that is taboo for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So maybe people listening, you and your partner have only had missionary and maybe doggy style sex. And those are the only positions you've ever really had penetrative sex in. So why haven't you done the other ones? Is it because you think that you would be weird? You think your partner would judge you, but does it turn you on to try those other things? And if it turns you on and scares you and all of that, you could be a kinky blueprint. So we've only named three. Mm And if we rewind all the way back, I said I'm a shapeshifter.
0: Mm-hmm. A
1: shapeshifter wants, needs, and likes all of the expressions. So the fifth expression is called energetic. And there's very little representation, and it depends on the circles that you run in but this would be, this would include things like Tantra, I like eye gazing <laughs> and chanting and yeah. yes. And very like reverential ritual. That's this podcast isn't about the erotic blueprint. So what I'm telling you is 0.001% of the erotic blueprint content. Mm-hmm. And we can actually put a link to the quiz to find out your erotic blueprint. Oh, I'll cool. send that to you so you can include it in the show notes. Okay. Perfect. So what I'm saying is we're not in touch with our turn on and arousal. Not only are we not in touch with it fully, we're told it's supposed to look one of two ways and this way, if you're a woman and that way, if you're a man,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: by the way, if you like penetration and naked bodies and orgasms and you're a woman, you're a slut or a whore. And if you like sensuality and romance and candlelight dinners and roses, and you're a man, you're a fucking pussy. Exactly. Like that is what scarf tells us. Terrible. I hope nobody sound clips just that with my voice because <laughs> that would be a terrible misrepresentation of what I stand for and what I'm actually saying. So not only has it been robbed from us and taken from us, it's then been put in boxes that if you don't fit in these, then you're not like a functioning human in society. And by the way, let's just not even talk about these other three ways of being sexual. So what I found is the erotic blueprint framework, it was really helpful and useful in guiding a person back to their compass, to their light that shows them which path to walk down, what to say yes and no to, because it sees you. It sees who you really are instead of prescribing, there's no prescriptive manner whatsoever about the erotic blueprints. And like I said, the very few things that I was able to say today on this podcast 0.0001% of what's there for you in this amazing, magical chasm of erotic self-discovery. So that's where I hang out now. You asked, are you still with that group from 2013? No, I've evolved around and tried a bunch of different things. And this framework is very, it it sees people Mm -hmm. and you're not just one. Blueprint. You might have shadows of some and superpowers of other ones, and you might be a combination or you might need energetic first, and then all of a sudden you're ready for penetration. And then you liked, you know what? Here's a scarf busting paradigm. Maybe your foreplay is penetration to quick orgasm, and then you like the eye gazing and then you like the cuddling and then you like the candles and the massage and the romance. But we're taught that foreplay looks a certain way. It's everything that I just said. And then you penetrate and then you have orgasm. And it's like that these are the main ways. Of course, there's like other prescriptions, like you're not a real man, unless you massage and do foreplay to your woman. And she has at least three orgasms before you penetrate and blah, 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 all this stuff. And- On that note, if there are any, I'm going to say vulva bodied humans, because all vulva bodies aren't women. If there are any vulva bodied humans, people with a vagina listening who don't like penetration and it hurts you, it could be, and maybe it's not, but it could be, and very well likely might be, and usually is with my clients that you have never had a sexual or erratic encounter that did not include penetration until you were fully engorged, Mm, fully lubricated. Right. Science shows that for the cock, it requires as little as 30 seconds to three minutes to become fully engorged. Yeah. And for a vulva, meaning your inner and outer labia, the end of the clitoris, the hood area and everything underneath. If you've never seen the full clitoral body, please look that up. And and for your vagina to be fully engorged and for the vagina to become a pulsating member like the cock, it can require anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes, sometimes 45. Wow. So a cock is ready in 30 seconds to two to three minutes to penetrate. Mm -hmm. and a vagina, it could be 30 on average, it's 30 to 45 minutes. Now there are some vagina bodies that are ready in five minutes and it could be because of all the stuff that was going on before was foreplay for them, was a turn on, was arousal. Right. So learning your erratic blueprint can have you realize what kind of things you need to have happening on a date so that you can meet your partner who's a sexual blueprint more quickly when it does come to bedtime. So that 30 to 40 minutes of engorgement starts happening through eye gazing and eye connection or really deep conversation or massage of your shoulders or your leg in the Uber on the way home from dinner out, or you, you start to find how your body works. And this myth of sexual incompatibility poofs away because you now know what your body needs and what your partner's body needs. And you're seeing each other uniquely instead of in these pres- prescriptive scarf, like fashions of women are sensual, men are sexual.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're never going to agree on sex. So just deal with it. That's all a myth. Yeah. And so for that adventure, I love to spend anywhere from six months to a year with clients. Wow! It depends on their history mm-hmm. and what they want to quote unquote achieve in their sexuality. If you want to go on an unconventional travel and <laughs> <laughs> achieve a dream of sexuality, that travel could be via zoom with me over six to 12 months where we really, you said, wow, when I said six to 12 months.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I work with people who are in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties. So I know amazing, right? First orgasms in their nineties, women who work with me first orgasms ever.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. It's incredible. And so sometimes a prospective client's reaction, when I say, I want to spend six months or I want to spend 12 months with you is, oh. They don't want it to take that long. You'll start getting results after the first session. You will, like all of them do. It has been what number of decades of fooling around with yourself and with other people that you've been unsatisfied with your sex. Right. If you're in your sixties, it's been 40 to 60 decades since you've been diddling around. Is it worth six months of your life or 12 months of your life to turn that around and have another... One, two, three, four decades of amazing realized erratic liberation to do this journey, this adventure for yourself. Right. And so if people are interested in that, the private coaching page on my website is where to go. Oh, sure. and I didn't spell my name. It's Monica Jane and Jane has a Y in it. So it's M-O-N-I-C-A-J-A-Y-N-E.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. And under the services, you can just go straight to private coaching. If you're like, and oh my gosh, I want to own my eroticism. I can reclaim it. Amazing. Yeah. And what was the other, what is the other thing that you
0: offer? I saw the other, Yeah.
1: it's called authentic evolution. There's a few things on the website and I'm not sure what will be there when this show comes out. Yeah. There will definitely be private coaching. I love Private coaching. There's a ton of testimonials on the private coaching page for you to browse through and check out and play and listen to. And then there's an application. And I require an application from anyone who wants to work with me because I want to make sure we're a good fit. And what ends up happening after you fill out the application is our first session is a, I call it an unabashed self expression discovery session, where we see w- where you are, what you want, and where you want to go. And then, if I'm a match for you, I create an offer unique to your journey. The number of sessions, everything is crafted personally, uniquely for you. It's custom private coaching on that call. And it doesn't have to be about sex or sexuality. If you want to work with me about letting go of career expectations or marriage or relationship expectations or any of the shame, oppression, repression that you have received about who you are and how you be, that's what I love to work with people. on. that's why I call it, I don't call it an erotic discovery session. It's your unabashed self-expression
0: mm.
1: discovery session. So like I was saying, if you identify outside of school, our prescriptions for gender, for sexual orientation, for career, for sexuality, for anything. We can talk about that. And I would be honored to let you know that I'm someone who can help you. And if I'm not in that call, I have a network of over 20 people I refer to, to match you up mm-hmm. with someone who fits what you need very well. hmm and then the other thing we talked about was authentic evolution. And that is an online video course. And that mm-hmm. is a DIY journey. Mm-hmm. And then you can choose to receive coaching with that as well, or try to do it all yourself. But if the people listening or anything like the study show and the way I've been, when I buy an online course, I forget about it yeah. and I don't complete or finish it. Yeah. And so- I actually have things in place that watch where you're at in the system. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't been around for two weeks, we send you an email and oh, say, good. hey, we're not fucking around here. We're here to change the world. We saw that you bought this. How can we help you to move through this? Because that's what it's meant for. It's not meant for you know you to log in once, poke around and leave and never come back. So authentic evolution will definitely be around and the private coaching will definitely be around for what you on the website now.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I was poking around and I'm the same. I collect classes and then I start it and I'm like, "Eh." but it's so funny. My latest class that I bought was on water containment and purification. And for some reason, I'm completely obsessed with it. And I'm watching two classes a day. That's amazing. I know. Who would have thought
1: like that that was going to float my boat? I didn't. Your turn on new. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's something that turns you on. I'm like, oh, water purification. That's so hot. <laughs> That's so awesome. The thing that I would like to do too is offer your listeners 15% off the Authentic Evolution. Is yeah. that okay with you that we oh, give yeah. them a discount? Yeah, cool. That'd be great. So the code that you'll use is just the word unknown and you'll get 15% off of Authentic Evolution. So to go directly there, you can go to monicajane.com slash authentic, dash evolution and use that code unknown thank you so much for
0: listening if you liked what you heard i'd love it if you'd subscribe leaving a five-star review on apple Podcasts is also highly appreciated you can find me and more information about aua on an I do try to leave extensive show notes here under the podcast, but also on my website. The notes include links to everything that's been talked about today. However, my main goal is to give back to the community, to you. So if you have any questions, please DM me on Instagram at anunknownadventure. And whether you do or don't, following me there would light up my entire week. So remember to keep dreaming big. Because your adventure awaits, and I can't wait to hear about it.